Welcome to GW Integrative Medicine, the podcast about disease prevention and health promotion from the Office of Integrative Medicine and Health at the George Washington University School of Medicine and Health Sciences. I'm Dr. Lee Frame, Director of the Integrative Medicine Programs here at GW. And I'm Janet Rodriguez, the Office's Administrative Director. Today, we're talking about stocking your pantry during a pandemic with Danielle Capolino, MSPH, RD, and the author of the books, Healthy Gut, Flat Stomach, and The Microbiome Diet Plan. An expert on nutrition and the gut microbiome, Danielle is in private practice in New York City and an adjunct faculty here at the GW School of Medicine and Health Sciences. She teaches our integrative medicine students about nutrition. A graduate of the Massachusetts Institute of Technology with a degree in brain and cognitive sciences, Danielle also holds a master's in public health nutrition from the Bloomberg School of Public Health at Johns Hopkins. Welcome to GW Integrative Medicine, Danielle. Thank you. I'm so happy to be able to join you guys today. Yes, we are very happy to have you, Um, especially in this crazy time. It's nice to have some semblance of normalcy and be doing our podcast recording. All right. So in the midst of this pandemic, what food should we have in our pantry to keep us healthy? Well, I am in a unique situation where I have relocated from my home and I'm actually in the process of restocking a pantry. So I can tell you this, the foods that we should have now are probably not so different from how our pantries are usually stocked. Mm-hmm. The big difference now, I think, is that many of us eat out, at least occasionally, and normally I find going to the market can be a relaxing activity, and now it's something that we have to limit to only when it's really necessary. Well, and it's stressful now going too, right? You have to sanitize the cart and stay six feet away from everyone. Yeah, it's extremely it's extremely stressful. Um and you feel like you, you can't forget anything while you're there. So mm-hmm. <laughs> making a list is really important. Um, and while we have no need to hoard food, it does make sense to keep enough non-perishable food on hand that you could stay home for a week or two without actually going to the market. So I'm going to give you some examples of things that I have been buying and would love to hear what you have to say as well. But we're trying to get as much frozen meat and fish as we can. I'm very lucky here. There's a farmer who actually does pork and beef, and it's in a freezer. It's actually a no-contact store. So I've been able to get some local grass-fed meat. So keeping meat that stays for several months. Canned or jarred fish is great too. We're trying to get whole grains, oatmeal, which has actually been a little bit hard to find here, as well as rice, quinoa, other grains. I've been able to get fresh fruits and vegetables, and those are ideal to the extent possible. Um, So I guess what I'm saying is I'm worried about having the fresh fruits and vegetables because they are perishable. Yeah. Well, frozen vegetables are ideal because they have a lot of nutrition. They're picked and frozen right away and keep a lot of the nutritional value. So the vitamins and minerals stay preserved in frozen vegetables. So they're really ideal for keeping for several months. 
Unfortunately, when I arrived at the house that I'm staying in, I have found the markets to not have any frozen vegetables. So I'm trying to make do with vegetables that I can cook and freeze. Mm, that's a good point. Freeze them yourself. What about canned foods? If you know, if you're in a pinch, do you use canned fruits or vegetables? I have. I like to keep canned beans. I have canned fish. Um, Canned soups are something that I would also purchase myself and recommend. The one thing that I like to be mindful of when purchasing any canned food is the sodium level. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think canned fish is something great to have on hand. Also, jarred fish works well, too. I like to use canned beans a lot, and I make sure that I rinse, rinse them off before I use them. Um, because of the salt, but also because of the goop. Uh, But what about canned vegetables? Should people rinse those off before they use them? Yeah, Janet, that's a good point. I do the same thing with beans. I always strain them, rinse them. In fact, on another occasion, because of the work that I do, we might have been talking about digestive health. One thing I will just mention here is that rinsing beans actually reduces the FODMAP content of the beans. So not only is rinsing them, does it take off the salt, but it also actually reduces the likelihood of them causing digestive distress to you if beans should be an irritant to you. So. Well, you brought it up, so now you have to tell us, what is a FODMAP? (laughs) FODMAPs are carbohydrates that can be poorly tolerated and cause digestive symptoms like bloating, gas, diarrhea, constipation. And some of the common foods that have FODMAPs in them include things that don't seem related to one another and are kind of unrelated and include things like apples, pears, beans, milk, and wheat. And who needs to worry about FODMAPs? So anyone who has irritable bowel syndrome or other digestive diseases might consider a low FODMAP diet in consultation with their doctor or dietitian. So we're not all needing to worry about FODMAPs, but for those of us who are concerned, it's good to know that if we rinse our beans, we're getting that benefit. Exactly. This is not a diet for everyone. Um, And now is probably not the moment that people are thinking of starting (laughs) such a diet. Probably Um, not. (laughs) But if you're on it and you're stuck at home and you're down to your last can of food, at least, you know, if you rinse your beans off, they are going to be a bit more digestible for you. There you go. And I know there's a lot of literature documenting that if you rinse beans or canned vegetables, um, you do remove a significant amount of sodium. So if you're concerned about sodium uh, and all you have is canned and you rinse them, you're also getting that benefit. So uh, I know I always tell my my students that um, having your patients eat a canned vegetable is better than eating no vegetable. 
which is frequently what people will do if they're told that canned food, quote unquote, isn't healthy for them because it's high in sodium. Yeah. Another, another thing that comes to mind when we're talking about canned vegetables and things to be thinking of is the BPA and the lining of a can. But now that we're in this sort of emergency mode here, my worries about BPA have kind of evaporated, mm-hmm. to be honest. I saw this article recently. It was like, what is one thing that you're just letting go of? And I think for me, worrying about what the can <laughs> food that I, I am eating out of is made out of is something I am letting go of. I think that's a really good way to look at things that we can't you know, when we're in such a high stress time like this and you don't have unlimited resources, we need to prioritize um, and not drive ourselves absolutely insane. Yeah, absolutely. We have, in addition to all of the healthy things that we've been talking about, my uh, current pantry also has a snack section. Mm, for mental health? For, <laughs> for mental health. <laughs> I will say though, because I have a toddler at home that one thing that we've done with the snacks is hide them Mm. because when these things are in in your line of vision you just can't stop eating them so putting candy or snacks or cookies into a drawer actually makes a huge difference in terms of stopping yourself from snacking all day absolutely and then setting the healthy alternative out so you see that and pick that first I know it seems so simple and and obvious, and yet it's not, and it, it just makes a huge difference. Yeah, I agree. I, I've implemented that in my household as well, and my my husband thinks I'm, I'm a little bit crazy, but he's gotten on board because he realizes that it works. He's like, "That's that's a little crazy, you know. What does it What does it mean to put this on the counter versus putting it in the shelf?" And then over the period of time, he's realized, "No, actually, it does make a difference." Because you're going to reach for the thing that's closest and easiest. Right. And you see that beautiful apple and you're like, oh, that actually does look delicious. I'm going to eat that. And you don't think about the cookies in the cabinet. So if all you can find is fresh fruit, leave that out in a bowl. There you go. And that's what you'll eat first. And then you don't have to worry about it going bad because you'll be eating it. Good advice. So what else is in your pantry that you're, you're restocking? What other advice do you have for us? Well, I think, you know, allowing yourself some room for... Liberty, as we were talking about, you know, cookies, maybe I found some cookies that are oatmeal, ginger, you know, they're like healthy cookies. Mm. If I was home and had access to all of my like baking items and ingredients, I would be baking my own cookies. I have some recipes that I love for, you know, I'm making little air quotes, healthy brownies, brownies made with Mm -hmm. black beans and dates. Oh, I love that recipe. That's my favorite. So I think, you know, stocking some baking items. What what are they saying now? It's like stress baking. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. No, it's it's all part of a healthy stress management uh, plan. Yeah, I mean, dried fruits are good. Nuts are always great. Seeds. The problem with dried fruit is that you can't stop eating it. It can really upset your stomach, actually. And you end up eating so much more fruit than you would if it were fresh. So Yeah, that's very true. You don't realize it. Proceed with caution, but it's like a good little treat. Danielle, would it be helpful to like measure out the dried fruit 
So you're more aware of how much of it you're eating, but also the caloric content. Yeah, I mean, that's a good idea. I think like putting, maybe making little portions of like homemade trail mix with some dried fruits, some nuts and seeds. There we go. That, that is my stress food is dark chocolate. I have made sure I'm very well stocked with dark chocolate because the world will end if I don't have dark chocolate. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much for that. That's that's really helpful. I think people need to realize that it's maybe not quite as serious as we always think it is. And we're, I, we always want to eat as healthy as we can. But that does mean in thinking about your mental health and realizing that you have limited resources. And that's true on a regular day, right? When you have kids and you're trying to balance your job and taking care of your kids and being busy. Um, So this will be applicable even once this pandemic is over. Yeah, absolutely. And always think about things that you can freeze that. Mm -hmm, That's a good idea. Maybe you wouldn't normally have, but you can make soups and freeze those. You can even freeze grains like quinoa. Now, one of my concerns is dietary supplements especially since, you know, some of the things that I would normally eat, I'm limited because every time you go to the grocery store, the fresh food is gone and the frozen food is gone. So what can, what should people know about taking their dietary supplements? Do they need to take them every day? Can they take them every other day? Well, are the supplements still available in this case? Or is there is there limited access to the supplements too? You know, what I'm thinking about, you're right. Normally I would say, I don't think that everyone needs to be taking a multivitamin because you're getting the nutrition that you need from your food. If you're able to enjoy a diet that's varied and full of, you know, fruits and vegetables and grains and everything that that you need. But you're right, if your diet is limited now, adding in a multivitamin is probably not a bad idea just to make sure that you are covered. But does that mean you need to take it every day? I think per, perhaps like taking it every other day is a good alternative because it's not because you are still getting some, you know, nutrition in, maybe just not a hundred percent of what your daily needs are. But, you know, when you asked that question, I started wondering, like, is there a limitation in terms of getting supplements that you would normally take as well? So I just want to ask you what you think about that, Janet. Are you able to continue buying supplements that you need? Full disclosure, I have not been out of my apartment since March 13th. (laughs) Um, And I haven't tried to look online because I have, I I think, enough of everything right now. But my concern is what happens if 30, 40, 50 days go by and we're all still hunkered down? Well, I'm going to throw this to Lee, but I think vitamin D would be a good idea if you're not. I think that would be a great idea. (laughs) (laughs) 
For those of for, for our listeners who aren't aware of it, uh, Lee Frame is an expert in vitamin D. Yes, I am, and I'm I'm very pro vitamin D in general because we just don't live the lifestyle um, that our bodies were designed, which we would go outside and make vitamin D and get enough of it. Um, there are definitely certain nutrients right now that we should get more of, and the International Society for Immune Nutrition actually released a statement on just that. They talked about getting a, a diverse, varied diet, but you know, if you can't do that, then what should you be keying in on? Um, and they picked out vitamin E, zinc, vitamin C, vitamin D, and I think I'm forgetting one, um, but that that may be all of them. Um, and I would I would tend to agree with them. Um, my one caveat would be I think vitamin E really needs to come from food sources because a lot of the research showing supplementation with vitamin E uh, doesn't have the same benefits. But that's one of the great things about vitamin D is that's not the case. The supplement version seems to be just as beneficial as um, getting it through your diet or um, potentially also getting it outside. Obviously, we get a lot of benefits from going outside other than vitamin D. So that would be my choice for you to go outside and get some vitamin D. But if it's cold outside or if you know you live in a place where you can't stay six feet away from someone, I would say a vitamin D supplement is a very good idea right now. That sounds like really good advice. Lee, if you're running low on supplements, those, I mean, if you can't get out of the house and you can't order online, like I was looking mm-hmm. on Amazon today to get something and it said it, the delivery date was in May. Yeah, their deliveries are really far out right now. And I don't know, I, I, guess, may, I guess maybe you can get a pharmacy to ship something to you, but let's just say you're running low on supplements. Does it make sense to take them every other day rather than every day just to conserve um, your resources? Yeah, I think that makes sense for um, a lot of nutrients. Obviously, it sort of depends on if we're talking about water-soluble versus fat-soluble because things like vitamin C, you really need to be exposed to them more frequently because your body doesn't store them as well. But that being said, if if you're eating you know, any sort of fruits and vegetables. I'm not too concerned about your vitamin C to the point that, you know, you absolutely have to be taking a supplement every day. Um, but with, with vitamin D, there is some really interesting things about the best way to supplement it. And I pretty firmly believe that that's, that's daily for pharmacokinetic reasons. Um, that being said, I think every other day probably wouldn't be that different in terms of those pharmacokinetics. So if it's the difference between you taking them, you know, over the next two weeks versus taking them over the next month and and doing it every other day, that every other day is probably the way to go because then you're going to have that exposure for a longer period of time and hopefully maintain your vitamin D status. Is there a certain time of day that you're supposed to take vitamin D? Not a lot of research about that, but you you could imagine that it would be a a better thing to have during the day because that's when we naturally make it. Uh, That being said, there doesn't seem to be diurnal variation, so it probably doesn't matter at all. Um, I I actually take it twice a day uh, because, again, the with most things in nutrition, you're you're better getting them in smaller quantities. You absorb them better, um, so having them more frequently is better which is, uh, I guess, an argument against the every other day. But if it's the choice between having exposure versus not having exposure, I still think that's the way to go. Um, So I take my vitamin D in the morning and in the evening. 
Uh, so okay, so I'm hedging my bets there. Sounds like a good plan. Danielle, what what are the best things people can do to promote good gut health right now? I think the first thing that all of us can do to promote our gut health and our overall health is to reduce our stress levels right now. Easier said than done. But one interesting thing that has come out of this situation is that all of the gym classes are now available online. You know, pick your pleasure. There's like so many different classes. I found a really cool dance exercise class and it's on YouTube and really lifts my spirit. So I think like finding some way, even if you can't get outside of your house, I mean, getting into the sunlight uh, and taking even just a little walk makes a huge difference. But if you can't do that, um, something indoors, even at yoga or breathing class. Um, so one is reducing stress. And then, you know, now is not the time to have a perfect diet, but trying to have some fiber in your diet is important for your gut health and for your overall health, whether that comes in the form of fresh vegetables or frozen vegetables or canned vegetables or whole grains or chia seeds, um, having some sort of fiber in your diet would be a good way to promote your gut health and help your immunity and your overall health. Excellent advice. Um, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, I think one of the things people forget is that uh, a lot of the neurotransmitters that create happiness and keep us balanced are produced in the gut. Um, and most of them require some sort of fiber input to be made. So if we aren't having any source of fiber in our diet, we can actually get pretty depressed. So let's support our gut in making all those happy hormones. That's a really great point. There's such a deep connection between our gut and our brain and they really feed off of each other. So I think anything we can do to just stay safe and stay sane right now are equally important. That is all the time we have for today. Danielle, thank you so much for joining us. And I hope all of you out there will stay safe and stay sane uh, with some of the tips we've given you today. This is the GW Integrative Medicine Podcast from the GW Office of Integrative Medicine and Health. I'm Dr. Lee Frame. And I'm Janet Rodriguez. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening.